Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Swish Waterlead Podcast. Or if this is your first time, which I'm sure today's guest has brought in a few, well then welcome to the podcast. I do really hope you enjoy this episode because there are plenty of other lads who have been on in the past who you can go back and listen to. But before we get into this one, we must thank our sponsors who continue to help bring this podcast to you. Without them, this would not be possible. Firstly, our major sponsor, Swish, who have an unreal platform where you can get a personalised video message from one of your favourite sports stars. Some of the biggest names in the game are on there, including today's guest, and they make an awesome gift idea. So go and get someone a swish and make their dream come true. Stars range from $300 down to $20, and it is super easy to use. And if you use the code WATERLAD, you can get $15 off your order. And to make it even more attractive, up to 70% of the proceeds go to Kiwi Kids Charities. I'll leave a link in the description, so go click on that and go check out all the stars on there. Also, the legend that is Tim Bateman still has this opportunity for any Waterlad listeners where you can own your very own O Studio. O Studio is a modern wellness centre where you can just go get away from it all. There's recovery rooms, float tanks, saunas. They do yoga, massage, meditation, everything you need to get your body and mind feeling at its best. Timmy's O Studio in Christchurch is going so well that he's now looking to expand across the country and potentially the world. And Timmy will help guide you through the process of getting set up and making this transition into owning your very own business as smooth as possible. If you're interested in finding out more, I've left a link in the description for you to inquire. And can someone out there please set one up in Nelson and I will be your first member. It is such a cool space. Anyway, guys, I have an absolute legend on the show for you guys today. So let's get to it. What a lad. Now today I'm in the presence of one of the toughest lads in the game. He's had one hell of a career which has seen him win Super Rugby titles with the Chiefs. Pretty much all the trophies possible with the All Blacks including the Rugby World Cup and of course again just recently he's been named the All Black captain. He is without a doubt one of the most respected players by his teammates in the country and he is one hell of a great lad. It is the great man himself, Sam Kane. Welcome mate. Cheers Jimmy. I've been a long time listener. Um and admire your introductions so it's an honor to be on mate thank you <laughs> mate i'm stoked to have you on i know you're a busy man you're preparing for a huge few test matches coming up your recent father um mate but you still found some time for what a lad that shows you what a lad you are yeah we had to reschedule a couple of times <laughs> eh? um so underestimated how I'd, how I'd be going still learning and adjusting the life as a as a father but um loving it man yeah how have you found that how have you found being a dad yeah it's it's not like anything else like in terms of like just one day you know it's coming because she's pregnant but one day it just changes like the baby's there it's not like you can ease into it like most other <laughs> things in life and get a bit of a grip or a handle for it you're yeah. like thrown in the deep end and um it's just a steep learning curve but been really fortunate to have lots of support around which um sort of gives you a bit of an insight to the old saying around like they say takes a village to raise raise a child and didn't really un- you, know, you don't really understand any of it eh, until you've you've had a child yourself and you're in it and um and we're only coming up seven weeks in it so um still in the very very early stages but um yeah it's it's flipped everything on its head and it but it's it's amazing too 
Yeah, mate, it's so cool. Eh? There's, it is an experience that you can't really comprehend until you're in it, eh? And like you say, it's cool that you've got um, family support around because that's going to be obviously massive for Harriet while you're travelling around and doing obviously the job that you have to do. Yeah, I've had a few people say, oh, you get much um, maternity leave or, t- or time off. <laughs> and I said, oh, um, baby was born Wednesday night, um, big training day Thursday. And the coach said, oh, just don't, you can miss gym in the morning, just come in for the afternoon <laughs> sessions. <laughs> but yeah, it makes you um, appreciate what the what the mothers go through, especially the mothers of the rugby boys or, or other professions who have to just um, – a push on, yeah, 100%. But let's start with the recent news. Obviously, just being named captain again uh, must be an unreal feeling. What's what's that like? Yeah, obviously, amazing. Um, slightly different to the to the first time. Mm. Um, first time certainly wasn't expecting it. Knew I'd sort of be in the mix. Um, it was a funny season, it was that COVID year. Mm. I think we only had six test matches. Uh, we lost to Argentina, there's a lot of, lot of pressure. Um, but learnt heaps from the experience and what it actually, what's actually involved in being an All Blacks captain. So then, yeah. 2021 was really looking forward to sort of putting a lot of those things in place that I'd learnt and just having a better understanding of what the job requires. And then to pick up um, that sh- a shoulder injury and be out for the majority of the year was like, the timing was just so frustrating. Mm. Um, so then this time, um, body's feeling really good. But certainly not taking my position in the in the squad or assuming that I was going to get the captaincy again. Uh, so yeah, when Fozzie rang me and asked if I'd be keen to do it, I'm, absolutely, it's a it's obviously a massive honour. How early does he tell you that? And do you have contact with him throughout the season? Uh, he told me so. We played Friday night against the Crusaders. We'd got home, um, was just heading to. I just arrived at one of the boys' houses <laughs> for our sort of uh, end to do. <laughs> And then um, I saw I was, as his phone was ringing. I was like, "I'm not going to answer with all the music and the boys around." So <laughs> I ducked outside and answered, and they asked, asked me then. So that was only what well, that was Saturday, only a couple of days before the team was named on Monday. Yeah, but during the season, um, yeah, we we chat a wee bit, but I know I think he chats to a, a few of his like, respected leaders and, and guys that he um, trusts to, to bounce ideas off and, and things that he's seeing as well. And then we have a couple of. Um, leadership meetings throughout the throughout Super Rugby. And you mentioned that first year in the camp, or as being a captain. What was the what was the biggest difference for you? What's the hardest thing for you to adjust to, or the biggest thing you learned? Well, the biggest thing I learned was how demanding the role was. Like in, in terms of, you can't finish training or finish your day and then just switch off. Yeah, I found it really hard to switch off, and probably because it also doubled down on the fact that we had. It's unusual to have six test matches in a row uh, other than a World Cup year. Mm. So to have that in a first-time skipper and then under you know, a little bit of performance pressure because we weren't going as w- well as we wanted, it just sort of accumulated. And as a result, I was, found it really hard to switch off and was always thinking around what could we be doing better, mm. you know, catching up with different people or coaches at night in the evenings before bed, like just – pretty constant and relentless and it probably wasn't until we got into isolation when we got back from Aussie and I was just so flat and deflated for about two or three days and it was just sort of like the the come down almost of of what we'd just gone through and I think when I was in isolation reflecting on it there wasn't any point that I thought I don't want to be doing this or I don't like this it was Mm. still sort of like an awesome challenge and was learning all the time and, and super determined to do 
everything I could and, and we could to yeah, make sure we're performing the best we could. And you mentioned that pressure. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure on you. The whole country's behind you. Everyone wants the best out of the All Blacks. Do you feel that pressure on not only your captaincy but your performance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's look as long as I've been in the All Blacks, I think probably as long as the All Blacks have have been around, mm. um, there's always been that public pressure. And I've been extremely lucky to be in a in some really outstanding All Blacks teams going through some pretty crazy periods in international rugby where success was so high mm. and um, that just grows the demand and the expectations of the public that that can continue but at the same time like our own expectations in camp and as players is to go out there and win every game and that's not there's the pressure from the public there's our own expectation but there's also this all black legacy that they've done that for so many years and you want to make sure do everything you can we can to make sure that continues so um, without a doubt you feel the pressure and I think probably more so these days probably because we're all on social media mm. it's such a big part of everyone's lives and um, try and minimize it at some point but you just you just can't hide from it and it gives everyone so many people at home a, a voice to, mm. to voice what they think. So you mentioned social media. How do you avoid that on social media? Obviously, the keyboard warriors are out in full force pretty much <laughs> every selection. How, yeah, how do you avoid it? How do you not see it? Oh, at the 2019 World Cup, I just made a conscious effort. I wasn't going to open any uh, any articles yeah. um, full stop. That was all right. I mean, like, so I, I don't, uh, don't avoid it mm. by any means, but I sort of almost like can – try to brush things aside a little bit more like not take them not, not take them so so personally or so hard and sort of have that view that oh that's 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 their opinion and that's fine and sometimes you just gotta laugh and and um yeah i think someone's told me once that if you're gonna um accept positive praise whether it's on social media or from the media and articles and, and you allow that to make you feel good mm. it's a slippery slope because you're also going to have the the contour of that, which is the the negative stuff. And when you see that or read that, you're going to feel sh- shit about yourself. So the best, one of the better bits of advice I've had is people's feedback that you really need to get uh, are your teammates, your coaches, and your ones that's your sort of your close circle mm-hmm. and, and value theirs. Um, so cause as soon as you start putting adding weight to so comments online or, or even yeah. articles about how well you played one week and then how poor the following week, then it's a pretty vicious cycle. Yeah, you're, it's not good. you're spot on, eh? Because, like, for the keyboard warriors, you're only one good performance away from now being, like, the, the greatest player of all time again and then one bad performance, you're like, what's he doing as captain sort of vibe, <laughs> eh? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. But I know one thing for sure is you are extremely well-respected, by your teammates and the guys who, who know you, have, who have played with you. I remember that poll, I think it was last year or the year before, you were voted as the toughest player to play with, 44% <laughs> toughest player in the game. Um, I think you're the most respected player as well. So everyone who's played with you or against you knows how tough and how good you are. Um, still got to convince some of these keyboard warriors. That's all right. I'll keep trying. <laughs> but what's your thoughts on the squad to face Ireland? Yeah, obviously, I, I feel like, at the moment, some of the, the depth that we have in New Zealand rugby is crazy, man. Yeah. Like some of the positions, there's seriously good rugby players who, who are missing out. Um, must have been a heck of a job for the selectors. And I think 
like as awesome as it is to see some of the new boys, you also feel for some of the boys that have missed out. Mm. But you have to assume like it's a it's a long year, and this is only the first series that a lot of those guys are only one injury or one opportunity away. But I think it's a I think it's a good squad. Mm. I, I really do, and just um, excited to come in and get us all together. Um, I was we had a little camp last week at the mountain with all the guys that weren't in uh, the Super Rugby finals, mm. which as it turned out, there was only. I think 15 of us or 14 of us. <laughs> yeah. no, nine Chiefs, three Hurricanes and, and two Highlanders. And then the, the rest of the, the squad was playing. So they'll obviously um, do the end of season thing and they come in on. So we go into camp Monday and they come in Tuesday. So we'll all be together Tuesday. How good, mate. It's exciting times. Anyone in particular you're looking to seeing on the big stage? Any of the new caps? Um, we call with Peter Gus, saw Cooler, yeah. can, can get her. Can get a run. Obviously, look, those forwards is one of those positions that's, um, I guess, so many good players. I think um, Falau Fakatava mm. is just, he's got a really exciting running game. You know, he can put people into space around the ruck. Um, been, a, been a fan of his for, for a couple of seasons and was pretty gutted to see him have last last year interrupted with his ACL injury. Yeah. One of those injuries you never want to see anyone or yourself get. Mm. Um, just having had to tackle Lester Whanganuku <laughs> a couple of times, mate. The first time was in a preseason, and I thought I could hit him reasonably well, and he just kept moving. Yeah, yeah. I was like, far out. This this guy's strong. <laughs> so yeah, he's a hard man to stop. He just doesn't give mm. up. Eh? He keeps fighting. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to seeing yeah. him go. And those others you mentioned as well. But it is going to be an awesome series. The Ireland coming to New Zealand. Um, they're obviously a really good side. Um, bringing a few Kiwis over with them as well. No doubt J-Lo will be looking to chow in your face and get right in your grill. <laughs> One of those guys that's like, you look, look at him on the field, you go, who's this? But then you play with him, mate, and you're like, such a good fellow. It's normally the case. The ones who piss you off on the field are the big good blokes. Yeah. But what are you looking forward to the series? Obviously, last year you didn't get to play in front of the, your home crowd, so that's going to be a huge buzz, getting to play in front of the Kiwis again. Yeah, um, well, there's been a bit of a, a rivalry, I reckon, that's sort of grown between us and the Irish due to um, how well they've gone and how much they've improved on the world stage. Um, and then the fact that they've, they've got us twice over there, mm. um, and obviously the most recent one just last year. So, um, yeah, to have them here at home, we'll have our home crowd. Yeah. Sold out Eden Park first test is just epic. So, um, hopefully it's slightly different killer fish because their crowd over there is something else. Um, the way that they sing and, and makes make so much noise, but then they're silent when, when goal kickers are taking mm. a shot at goal. It's awesome. I think the Irish people are awesome too. So hopefully plenty of them are coming out and it should be a, a really cool series. I've heard um, Fozzie say, he, in his opinion, it's the biggest series since in New Zealand since the British and Irish Lions and probably have to agree it's going to be it's going to be awesome. Yeah, mate, no doubt I'm pumped for it. When do you start finding out whether you're starting or not? Is that that sort of last week? Obviously, you'll be starting as skipper, but um, when do the rest of the guys? No, I'd say they won't find out. Oh, the team's normally named to us Tuesday, Tuesday just before training. Yeah. Um, and then it's announced publicly on Thursday, so of, of the test week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's the naming and then there's the, actually the, the 23 to play, which will give everyone probably an indication of what direction things are heading. Yeah, mate, like it's so hard to try and 
work out what the selectors are going to go there. There's so many different options and combinations they could pick to make a really strong squad. So it is going to be really interesting, that first squad. Yeah. But anyway, we will crack on. I do... Um, I could talk to you about All Blacks all day, but I do want get to get to know you a little bit more. One thing I do always like is hearing how um, some of these regular guys end up becoming the All Black captains, so their upbringing and stuff. So what will, give us a rundown on your upbringing. All right. Um, look, I had, a, I had an awesome upbringing. I love my childhood. I'm from a small town called Reparo, which is in between Rotorua and Taupo, so central North Island. And... Um, both my both my parents are from Repro also, so they went to the local high right. school. It's a small high school, um, about four hundred kids, coed um, from form one to seven or year was it seven to thirteen now? Yeah, and yeah, so they they met at high school, childhood sweethearts, and then um, they're both from farming backgrounds. And uh, dad, yeah, brought a farm in, in Repro, and, and uh, I'm one of three three children, so I'm the oldest. I've got two younger sisters, and. Uh, we grew up on a deer farm, which is a little bit unusual for the district. Like predominant riprise, pretty much uh, all dairy farmers. Oh, yeah. The old man said uh, after growing up on a dairy farm, he wasn't didn't want to be milking cows. So um, he eventually went to deer, which has just been awesome. And you know, so I had a childhood growing spending a lot of time on the farm. I was lucky my dad's right into his footy as well. So he was my, my coach with a couple of, um, end up being my best mate's dads as well mm. from the age of five all the way to, 14 and um yeah spent lots of lots of time um, on the farm down at the rugby club just doing sort of normal a lot of like a lot of sort of rural kiwi, kiwi lads mates mm. so many of the greats um start their life on a farm what is it about farm life that turns out so many awesome all blacks <laughs> yeah i don't know I've, um, I've been asked this question a couple of times like the only thing i think when you're on a on a farm and part of a family on a farm like you, you probably learn a little bit of We'll have to have a bit more responsibility at a younger age, whether that's caring for animals, whether that was having to get up and help your parents feed out on a Saturday morning so that we could go into our sport late morning. But to be honest, I'm not really sure. And then seeing seeing your parents work maybe long hours um, and, and not have weekends off, but then you know, farming you have different parts of the year off depending on, on the season. But yeah, I sort of always massively admired my, my my parents' work ethic um, and how hard they've worked for us. And I've got no doubt that's sort of rubbed off on all of us kids as well. And then how did you get into rugby and when did when did the whole rugby dream start? Yeah, so I got into rugby as a five-year-old. Um, got taken down to the local rugby club. As I said, Dad was my coach. And um, I don't remember when or how I fell in love with it exactly, but there's no doubt I fell in love with rugby massively. <laughs> also. <laughs> I was that kid who was um, read all the rugby magazines, <laughs> read any rugby rugby book he could find. You couldn't get me to read anything else. Uh, I'd read a rugby book, um, you know, watch games, look at stats, you know, just mm. all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I don't know, just loved it, and um, yeah, still do. Were you good? Um, I wasn't the best kid in our in our, um, in our rugby team growing up. There's always there's, but I think that's the case for a lot of people. There's always like a couple of kids at young age. You're like, wow, they are just outstanding. Um, we we I was really fortunate that being a, even though we're in a small district, we had a from like the age of five or six, like just a real good group of of kids my age. 
Mm. I actually ended up playing a year up above my age um, just because all of my mates were. So, and I didn't even know that for the first like four or five years that I was playing <laughs> a year above. <laughs> but I am born in um, early January, so it's only just cutoff date. Oh, so, yeah. Because um, 1st of June is that cutoff date. But yeah, I think probably the, the first time I, I realized that I was going pretty well at rugby was when I dropped back down a grade to play Bayapli in the under 14s. Mm-hmm. So I played for the Bayapli in the under 14s the previous year. And then all my sort of age group moved on to try and make their 16s, but I could stay back. And that was a year that I started sort of playing pr- like going a lot better. Mm. Yeah. Sort of having bigger impact on games. And I thought, oh, well, man, I'm actually playing with my own age group now and going really well. Yeah. So that's probably the first first point. But I did miss out on my, my first couple of rep teams as a sort of 11, 12, 12-year-old, which um, stung a wee bit. Uh, my old man must have seen something in me though because as I was you know, almost in tears in the car on the way home, he told me to, to bide my time. I'll get an opportunity one, one day. Um, I don't even know what bide my time meant. <laughs> he told me. <laughs> but he reminded me of it um, years later, yeah, what he said. Yeah. Oh, look at you now. But when you dropped down that grade, was that when you were starting to be labelled the next um, Richie McCaw? Because that's the one thing I remember. I remember you being labelled the next Richie McCaw from about the age of 10. Um, if it was, like that, that never got to me. I never <laughs> really heard it or took it. I don't think I ever really heard that. Um, and then as you get older, you hear Oh, coaches, oh, I always knew, I always knew. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's easy to say now. <laughs> um, not not that by any stretch on uh, the next friction McCall for sure. But um, yeah, and then I suppose the the next step was they playing the under 16s the next year. And we're, like I said, we had a good, a real good group of kids at Reparar, but also in, in Bay of Plenty at that time. So I was fortunate, just the timing of my run almost. Um, and we, we won the national comp up from the North Island or from Central North up. And they had a had the New Zealand under 17s then. Oh, yeah. Um, which we didn't play any games. It was just a, a squad that got assembled purely for development purposes. Um, and I got selected in that. And again, I, I was a year young for that. So I was only under 15s technically. I got selected for the New Zealand under 17s. Uh, and there was only. There's only a couple of us who were in that age bracket. TJ um, Pedernaro was oh, there. Yeah. He, he, we're, we're only a few days apart. Can't remember who else. There was heaps of heaps of boys there, but me and him were. There's only a couple of us that were a year young, um, and that's sort of when Penny dropped them. Was sort of on on the right track. But I had been I'd been training from a reasonably young age to to get better at rugby and to try and make it. I suppose. What yeah, sort of training were you up. doing? Um, Mainly just running, yeah. Mainly running, um, but then I saved up some money and mucked around and bought some weights off trade me. <laughs> <laughs> those terrible weights, like those ones that are just covered in plastic, and like, and I had no idea what I was doing. I just um, tried to push or pull something until I was until I was tired. <laughs> and then, yeah, running. We had a rower at home, so sometimes I'd like row for twenty minutes and jump off and run twenty minutes down the road, just mm. um, freestyling. But um, I suppose the whole time, like learning to push, push yourself, and, and learning to train yeah, and enjoy it. Yeah. And this was to all become a professional rugby player. Was that the Was that the goal? <laughs> I think so. Um, <laughs> I, can't, 
can't remember mm. what what helped is uh, as I, when I first started running, a, a mate of mine's dad said, "Oh, and I've been running for about a month now, just down the farm." And after a game of footy, my mate's dad said, "Oh, Sam, you're playing really well lately. You know, you're, you're just everywhere." Mm. And that's when I was like, "Oh, that makes a bit of sense. I think I'm, I think I'm playing better because I'm, of the extra work I've been doing." Mm. And that probably there was a bit of a light bulb moment, and, and ever since then. I continually did training outside of the Tuesday, Thursday. But probably one of my favorite memories of wasn't really training, but it was learning hard work was um, there's a me and three mates and we had a little like, hay picking up gang. <laughs> and we'd, we'd pick up we'd pick up hay for uh, one of the local farmers. Yeah. And um, yeah, we just felt like real men, you know, like we'd be picking up hay and it was loose soon, so we'd have to pick it up at night. So the, the leaf um, had enough moisture that it wouldn't fall off and we'd be doing big night shifts and then turn up to school late the next day because we were top five from work. <laughs> or there'd be like weekends or summer days where we'd be stacking a hay barn, pop back to one of my mate's houses for a quick feed, um, smack, smack a couple of beers back and then go back to um, <laughs> stack hay or all of them. And we'd do like some big shifts but we're also – um, sort of making some good money and, and working hard. There's just some awesome, awesome memories there. And and like all those sort of things, I think, it's still hard work and, and learning to push yourself a little bit. But we also like, look back on it now, as my group of mates, we always had a footy, a rugby ball in our hands, like take it on the bus to school, take it home. Um, so we're always playing touch before school, um, interval lunchtime so technically that's all a, a type of training is it like skill development everything but yeah. just loved it so when you left school um, your rise was pretty rapid you went from Bay Plenty pretty young age Chiefs young age and then the All Blacks young as well it all happened pretty fast for you so what was that like yeah well I did most of my schooling at all of my schooling at Ripperall College and then my last year of school um, went to Tauranga Boys um, and that was that, that year sort of got more of a taste of serious training, like having actual trainers. We were part of the Bay Plenty Academy. It was me and a, me and a mate from Ripperar because um, Tauranga boys don't have a hostel. Oh, yeah. So we had to move over. We moved over, but we are boarding with a lady, Vicky Simple, and, and her house was awesome. And we just had to learn as 17-year-olds to um, six o'clock trains in the morning, go to school, and then train in the Arvo. It was like, what a steep learning curve, and uh, not without its hiccups. Where we got in a wee bit of trouble. <laughs> the first game of the first game for Tauranga Boys was against Hamilton Boys. It was a pre-season, and it was a curtain raiser for the Chiefs. Mm. And me and my mate Carl, we were we were named on the bench. And my old man rings up. He goes, "Oh, how come? How come you guys are on the bench?" We had to tell him uh, that we'd, we'd missed missed the training. What do you mean? I said, well, we had we training in the morning for the academy. And we were so tired, we went back to bed. So we missed school. And um, it was before there was like WhatsApp groups or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. And the, the first 15 coach had sent like a note around to each of the schools for the <laughs> teachers to read out any of the first 15 boys. There's a line-out session at lunchtime yeah. in the gym. Because we weren't at school, we didn't get it. So we missed the line-out session. I mean, if we'd known, we would have happily driven into school for the line-out training. But we weren't. So the, the coach um, dropped us to the bench, and me and my mate Carl, we were supposed to be sort of these um, good 
good additions to the Tauranga boys first 15 yeah so dad he's not someone who like raises his voice or gets too angry but he'll let you know he's disappointed and, but that day he said don't you ever miss another effing day of school <laughs> or I'll or I'll pull you out of school myself <laughs> and don't think you're coming back to Ripperra. you can go and get a job Oh, you, know, you can kiss goodbye to New Zealand secondary schools. He knew that that was a goal of mine. Oh, yeah. Year. Yeah. So that was, um, made me go to school for the rest of the year. And then, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then from there, um, yeah, played club footy the next season. Debuted for Bay of Plenty. Can't even remember what it was called then, NPC. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was lucky to get picked up for the wider training group gig with the Chiefs, which was only part time back then. Yeah. Um, as you, you'll probably remember, yeah. Uh, and you could only play if there was, I think, two injuries in your position. Mm. Yeah. And um, it, yeah, later on in the season, there was two injuries. I think I mean, Scott Waldrum and Tanudo Latima both got injured. So I was lucky my first game for the Chiefs. We got, went over with the boys to Johannesburg and, and debuted off the bench um, versus the Lions. Yeah, I mean, and he got about five or six minutes, but ran around like a mad dog. <laughs> first, uh, first taste of altitude, yeah. And yeah, obviously just just burning. We're defending <laughs> for the game too. I remember Craig, Craig Clark standing beside me saying, "Who have you got?" But on defense, I could hardly speak because I'd just gone too hard too quickly. <laughs> um, but luckily we won. Luckily we won. And then yeah, what was that? So I was nineteen. Mm-hmm. They booked for the Chiefs at 19. Um, next year, got a full, another year of provincial rugby. Had a, started, now nah, me and, me and Tanudo were sharing sort of starting duties for the Chiefs in 2012. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, made the All Blacks there the same year. Hugely unexpected though. Uh, back then they had, the coaches would go around, um, and, and talk to players and you'd almost we're almost you're almost interviewed and you had to present what you're working on uh, what was going well and uh, Wayne Smith was with the Chiefs at the time and he was like mate it's a ser- these are serious interviews so you'd help prepare all of our boys that the coaches wanted to talk to yeah. but I wasn't one of the players that the coaches wanted to talk to they had a list of about eight guys and um, I wasn't disappointed in that by any means you know I was 20 years old yeah. um, sharing starting duties um, but not by any means expecting or hoping to make the All Blacks that year. So I had a bit of a time frame in my head that if I could get there by 23 or 24. But then then I got a text that night from Dave Rennie saying the coaches have mucked up and they do want to see you tomorrow right. morning. Sure. So then I was pretty rattled because <laughs> I wasn't prepared like these other <laughs> So I was excited and, and a bit rattled. Yeah. So then went in and had a like a little bit of a – interview or sell yourself I suppose to to Steve Hansen and and then he said oh we're gonna we're gonna name a training squad we're gonna name you in it and um, yeah we had, I think it was like two one or two day camps before the team got named and then uh, we played the Blues at Albany and after the game I got called out of the sheds and there was Darren Shan and Steve Hansen and they said we're gonna name you in the All Blacks tomorrow so it was, it was crazy to think that you know, it was only three years ago I was playing yeah. first 15 footy. Mm. Mate, you must have sold yourself bloody well. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I can't remember. I remember staying up like 
done like all this homework, almost like writing down stuff and like what I am working on, what I need to get better at. <laughs> I've always been like reasonably self-aware yeah. um, of, of like my strengths and weaknesses. Um, yeah, ho- hopefully it wasn't the sales, but hopefully it had been the footy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, again, I think I was, I was a little bit fortunate with the, with the timing, you know, like it was 2012, I just come off the 2011 World Cup, mm. Steve Hansen's first year as coach, and they um, were looking to bring in some some new players, some new blood, like, if I'm brutally honest, there's probably players who are more deserving than me at that time um, in my career, but um, I, was, I was fortunate, like, it was, funnily enough, it was a series against um, Ireland 10 years ago mm. and um, there's a couple of injuries in the first game so I was on the bench for the second test Kieran Reid got concussed I was on at half time so you know pretty lucky to get a debut of, of 40 minutes Yeah, you know, I don't know if you remember is the one where DC um, banged the droppy was not long to go oh yeah yeah, um, yeah. yeah and so that was my debut game and then because Rido was still dusty the next week Richie started at 8 and I got to start at 7 in just my second test match at Hamilton. True. So, yeah, crazy, crazy month, really. Yeah. So when when you're coming off the bench for the All Blacks, how, how are you feeling? Are you feeling ready? Are you wanting to get out there as soon as you can? Honestly, I think because I was only 20, uh, like I didn't even like, take it all in yeah. properly. Yeah. You know, it was just like things were happening fast. Well, and I do like so much so that I wasn't thinking about too much. That to the point that we rocked up to the game and we walked out onto the field to check out the ground as you do before the game. Me and Brody Metallic um, were flatmates and he'd debuted the week before. Yeah. Walking on the field, look at the big screen and they were showing the hucker. And I thought, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I know the hucker well enough. <laughs> so, so there I am going to Brody saying, hey bro, after we go, on that side and then two on that side do we get is it one more and then we go underarm and then up and then he's going ah I think you slap your left arm and your right arm and and then I go bro we better stop this in case um, in case there's a camera recording <laughs> yeah yeah okay so we walk back inside and sure enough one of the sky cameras is out, out on the ground Watching us trying to, well, him trying to teach me the hucker that he doesn't even know himself. Oh. So you not have hucker lessons? This one's come up a few times. Ethan, yeah. Ethan said he learnt off YouTube. Some guys say they're learning by themselves. I don't get it. How come there's no lessons? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Who doesn't know the hucker? Um, I didn't. So, uh, we, we do it at Captain's Run, but it's real low key. And, um, and I'm at the and you're at the back, obviously. Yeah. When you start out, so you can sort of like get away with what you, what you know. And if you if you're really unsure, you can always go and ask the person who's leading it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I was probably too shy. Was like, I'll just, <laughs> just <laughs> I think I know it. <laughs> <laughs> wrong with it. And then it wasn't until I saw the the footage on the big screen, I thought, oh man, I don't want to go like slap my left arm once and then go to the right arm and everyone's still on their left. So just wanted to, just wanted to clarify that little bit. I think I know the rest. Ooh. So then obviously that, that's just an indication of how, you know, I was just taking it in my stride. Yeah. Uh, and then it was kind of good. It was actually quite good that uh, I, didn't, I didn't know Rito had a concussion 
I don't think he really did until he got in at half time and said he wasn't feeling right. Mm. And again, I wasn't sure that was happening. I was just about to go back out on the field to warm up with the boys. And then they just said, oh, Sam, you're on. And it was like two minutes before we ran out the second half. Yeah. Well, holy smoke. Okay, <laughs> sweet. Let's go. <laughs> and then um, I do remember I was standing beside DC, Dan Carter, just as he was about to kick off for the second half. And like I knew I'd been named in the All Blacks, obviously, but I also knew that you're not an All Black until you take the field. Mm. And I was like, in that moment, as the whistle went and he kicked off for the second half, as I took my first couple of steps, I was like, yeah, boy, all black now. For sure, yeah. For yeah. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, just got stuck in. And you've sort of spoken, we've sort of skipped over your Chiefs bit a little bit, but when you went into the Chiefs, um, you were going into the side, which was probably the four, the best team in the competition at the time. I think they'd won back-to-back competitions around the time you you joined them. So that obviously had a big impact in your career. What was, what was so good about that Chiefs side? Well, I, I actually, my first year at the Chiefs was before Dave Rennie. And, and those two titles. So I debuted in 2011 and then, yeah, 2012. To be fair, like on paper, everyone wouldn't have said, oh, that's the, the best side. Mm-hmm. It's one of those teams. He'd, he'd picked like a few guys, quite a few guys that were almost a little unknown. Michael Vistuel, um, Andrew Horrell, mm-hmm. Asili Tikuratuma, guys. Um, we got a few good signings like Robert Robinson had come up. Aaron Cruden was a massive one. Um, you know, Brady Retallick was pretty well unknown. He was a, 20-year-old from played from Hawke's Bay and yeah. went on to play like every game for us that season and the rest of history. But Ben Tamiafuna, a lot of like a good mix of young guys. And I think that's where Renz had a little bit of, of a, an edge is that he'd been the New Zealand under-20s coach. So, but, so he had a relationship with a lot of these guys and he was able, when he became head coach, he was able to bring them in into the Chiefs. Um, but man, we, uh, I don't know any different, but we, we trained seriously hard. We had Renz, Wayne Smith, Tom Coventry, Andrew Strawbridge. We had a great coaching team. And uh, like I said, just taking in your stride, just lapping it up and loving being a professional rugby player. And I was lucky. I was getting selected in the 23 every week. And oh, no, it was just awesome. Yeah, we, were, we lost our first game, I think, to the Hollanders. But then we went on a, a really good run of winning about nine games in a row. And um, no, we were just a team that had, had a lot of belief. Um, we're well coached. Um, we're well led. As well, and, and Craig Clark and, and Liam Messon. Yeah. I think it was the first time sort of co captains were thrown about in New Zealand rugby, and it, it worked really well for us. And yeah, we just, I don't know, those, those semi finals against the Crusaders and Hamilton were just incredible um, memories, really, with the, the crowd, how, how tight the wins were. I think one was like 2019, and then the other one was like 23, 20s. Just, Massive, and then we're lucky to just, I think, home field advantage in a final. Mm. We never had to travel. Yeah. It was huge and oh, really yeah. pushed the boat out after, <laughs> after, after those sort of games. Yeah. <laughs> and by all accounts, your sessions were all pretty hard, like pretty intense, especially that Thursday sessions from from the sounds of things. It was always pretty much like a, a match before the match for you guys. Yeah, and like I said, I didn't know any difference, so I wasn't really, I wasn't really thinking – um, far out, this is hard out. This is, that was just all I knew. Yeah. Um, but then there was other guys like Liam Messon saying, man, I don't know if we can do this every single year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to last. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, Renz would build um, really strong depth and competition within the squads by like, changing players every week. Mm. I think the only time we had the same 23 that year was for the semi and the final. 
other than that, the team changed every single week. Sure. And that put a lot of internal competition. But then also, <laughs> and the message was, uh, if you're not playing and you want to get in the 20s, if you want to get playing, you need to show us at training. Mm. So then there'll be guys with you know, a bit of a chip on their shoulder and they'd bring the heat. And then obviously, you know, when you're in the team and someone from the opposition is bringing the heat at training, <laughs> and now nah, bugger this guy. So it's just it, intensity just ramps up slowly. And before you know it, yeah, it's all go. Biffo, uh, cool. are you one to get into yeah. Biffo on, tra- on the training field? No, nah, I won't go um, looking for it. But if there's <laughs> no, not, not not really. I've, no, I've only had a couple. Only had a couple my, my whole career, and I've normally been with um, my mates. One was with Liam Messon, yeah. but it wasn't serious. It wasn't too bad. And um, <laughs> me and Brody had a little go once. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much on for those type of things. Eh? You know, it's training supposed to be at a certain level. You know, it's sixty or seventy percent, whatever. Yeah, and someone comes in a full ball, and the other person's like. What the heck are you up to? You, <laughs> you know it too well, but yeah. <laughs> and then everyone stands around and oh, make up after it. Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but one big part of your career has been your injuries. You've had a huge amount of injuries, um, some really serious ones as well. Obviously, your fractured neck stands out as probably the toughest one to um, recover from. What's what's it been like dealing with some of these injuries, in particular that one? Yeah. Um, I probably feel like I get a little. I, I do get a little bit frustrated at the um, how much injuries are, are talked about mm. for for me, and I, I realise that I've had two major surgeries oh, in the last three years, so that's that's justified. But I can't do like an interview these days or something without someone saying, "Oh, the injuries are this or that." Yeah. Mate, I've actually <laughs> played like over 200 games in the last 10 years, so it's about 20, 20 a season. I must be on the field a reasonable amount of the time, but um, I've sort of been stuck with a tag, you know. Um, I've got to try to shake that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I haven't been injured this season other than just a little um, MCL tweak, which is, you know, I was out for two weeks, so you wouldn't really, it's just a niggle. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't doesn't change things. Um, <laughs> Filthy with the injury tag. Oh, oh, I had one the other day, and they just oh, no one's had to pick themselves up off the ground more than you. you know, the amount of injuries you've had, I was going, hold up, mate. <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, I guess it's the big neck one, really, isn't it? That everyone yeah, sort of remembers the, you the, from because that was one where yeah. people were really doubting whether you'd be able to return to the game or not, and how you've done it's yeah. been pretty inspirational. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, that one was just a really unfortunate accident. It was an accident, really. It was timing. Um, just so many things that, you know, and, and rare. I went in to, to clean a guy out. I sort of lined him up early. thought, I'll, I'll go in hard here. And just as I had, um, I think it was Ryan Crotty, had cleaned him from the other side. So it just changed the position of his hip. Mm. And I was targeting sort of his rib area. And as a result, my head went straight into into his hip bone, and I just felt like a crunch. I lay there. I thought I was um, just a bit dazed, mm. a bit concussed, knocked out. And then oh, I just had a massive, intense pins and needles all down my right arm. And but I've had things before, but mm. it was more, it was worse than that. Yeah. But it did it did go away. And then I remember seeing the oh, the doctors were there, and I remember seeing Bodie there, and um, the. I bring out that little golf cart thing to put me on, mm. and I was like, "No, there's no way. I'm not, it's not that bad. I, I know what's happened. I'm, I'm just, 
I'm knocked out. So I asked Bodie to pull me up. And he pulled me up. And then um, we walked off. I sort of knew when I was walking off, man, I feel pretty ginger here. Mm-hmm. And we went out the back of the stadium. They wanted to put me on some gas. I said, oh, it's actually not too bad, I think. And they said, oh, we want to take you to hospital. I was going, what the? Man, this is annoying. Um, but I must have had so much adrenaline and just like the, the fact I've been, I was warm and on the field mm. because by the time I got in the ambulance and we were on the way to the hospital, man, the pain started to kick in big time. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, But not at any point did you think, oh, I've fractured my neck. Because <laughs> no one knows what that feels like, really, unless you've been through it. So I was like, nah, that's sore. Wanting to know how the boys were getting on in the game because yeah. it was a tight game. Um, but even once we got to the hospital, you know, I was, I was sitting up. Um, I had to go in for an uh, x-ray. I was lying down in a lot of pain. I swing myself back up and lie on the bed, had my phone. And then next minute, they, doctors and nurses rush in and put a, a brace around me and start running their hands over my feet. Can you feel this? Can you feel that? Far out. What's going on now? And that was the moment they, they said, oh, you've uh, broken your neck and, and well, your vertebrae in two places. Um, it's a fractured dislocation, actually. So if your vertebrae is like your, yeah, mm. each vertebrae is like a round circle almost, um, broken it in two places and that, that, that piece is, is dislocated forward. Yeah. People ask if I was, if I was scared or like, but because at no point I couldn't feel my legs or feet or anything, and then I was already in their care, at no point did I sort of feel like I was going to go backwards from where I was. Mm. So I didn't really have that massive fear of, Am I not going to be able to walk or anything like that? I did just have the the worry in the back of my head that I wasn't going to be able to play rugby again. Mm. But in that moment, it didn't seem that important um, either, considering the, the injury. Yeah. And is it true that you were like only your really strong neck, which you do have a massively strong neck, saved your <laughs> saved you from um, not being able to? Walk? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, so the surgeon. Um, showed me two x-rays. This was after surgery. One was mine and one was a, a 15-year-old South African boy and they're almost identical. And that, that poor fella, um, he's in a wheelchair now for the rest of his life. Uh, and the, the difference was that I had all this sort of built-up muscle and strength around my neck and upper back. That, so when my body almost went into shock and all those muscles just spasmed up and stopped that that fractured, that dislocation piece um, from going any further or moving around and damaging my spinal cord. So, yeah, that was a bit of a sobering moment, mm. I think, and, and a realisation of how lucky I was or how close I could have been to being just like that that 15-year-old South African boy. Mate, um, that's crazy. It is crazy. And it makes you, straight away, made me appreciate and thankful for all the, the neck and strength work that um, – the, the trainers get you doing. Yeah. Had you done extra, yeah. you, like you you do have a very strong, big, <laughs> thick neck. <laughs> have you done extra neck work from a young age or is this all part of the hay bale routine? It's like like Bodie's six-week speed program. <laughs> Six-week <laughs> six neck strength. <laughs> 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 no, honestly, I think it's just one of those um, things that I've, Almost genetically, um, I wouldn't have. All, I wouldn't have said it was a genetic gift up until um, <laughs> getting an injury. Because I used to get so much shit from the boys about it, and then 
on when we have outfitting, getting your number <laughs> oh, ones fitted. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, you'll be, be about an XL. And I said, no, nah, no, nah, try three XL. So it's like swimming on me, but it just fits my neck and then I have to move the button a bit further and taper in the whole, the rest of the shirt. Um, but, yeah, it turns out to be a bit of a blessing. And, it, yeah, I, I don't do – I didn't do any more neck strength work than anyone else yep. leading up to the injury. Um, and I, I probably only do a little bit more now. Nick, Nick Gill said, mate, you don't need to overdo it. Like your neck was strong beforehand <laughs> and that's what saved you. You don't need to you know, be going all out. <laughs> Just keep doing what you're doing. So I keep ticking away at it. But we did neck strength testing the other day and it's, um, you know, up there with, with the props neck strength. So I think it's just one of those things. No I'm, doubt. I'm lucky. And then when you're coming back from a fractured neck, like how hard is this one? This is the one that, like, once you feel like it's recovered, how do you go about being able to play, throw your body into contact, knowing that what you've been through? Mm. If I'm honest, I think like I had my shoulder surgery last year. Mm. I, I found the shoulder rehab process more difficult than my neck one oh, yeah. for different reasons. Um, my shoulder surgery was a pretty, it was a major. I ended up having four operations sort of tied into one, but just the, the small rehab work and the, the almost micro gains that will sometimes feel like I wasn't making any gains yeah. by the end of the week and chipping away at that compared to my neck because it was a, a bone, it just needed time to heal. Mm. But the biggest hurdle I had to overcome was just the, the mental one of getting back and playing. Yeah, after so I was um, three months in a neck brace I couldn't do anything. wasn't told was told not to lift anything more than three kilos. So this time I've been so sort of almost precious mm. with my body, and so I've become so fragile and with things. Uh, so I just had to work my build my way back up to throw myself around. Like I remember the first time I got got the all clearance from the surgeon, and I can get back into rugby training. The physio's like, oh, we just want you to be on your knees and then fall to the ground. And and that was such a mental hurdle for myself because I'd just been looking after it so well. Yeah, I was like, will I be all right? Yeah. And then there was just all these little hurdles from there of, of, you know, once I've done that, it's it's all in your mind. You know, once I've done that, oh, I'm okay doing that. Maybe I'm okay doing this. But each time it's it's, don't feel any easier than the next step Mm. or the last step. Yeah. And right up until the point that you're tackling it. Um, I've got um, Tumbai Matson to thank for all the he spent hours with me working on my he was our defence coach at the Chiefs at the time up on the mats um, doing tackle practice with him to the point that I was really confident and I was confident going into my first game mm. I was off the bench versus the Blues and um, got on earlier than I'd anticipated because there's a couple of injuries but I got out there and I wasn't that confident man, I was like running around. I couldn't help but think about it going into collisions. And when I watched the game, you can't tell that I'm hesitant, but yeah. in my mind, I was hesitant. Yeah. yeah. And then I thought after that, man, this is going to take maybe a bit longer, a bit harder than I thought. I've always had the attitude after an injury, like if, if you're going to play, you just got to rip in, like you've just got to go hard from the outset yeah. and not, not think about it because if you are, but I couldn't help but think about it. Mm. It, was we- it was weird. I never had that issue before. Um, the next week I got named to start. And so I just had the same attitude. Like, I've just got to rip in. And um, I don't know why exactly, but I got over it that second game straight away. True. It wasn't in my head. Yeah. And then 
every now and then I'll find myself in, in a similar clean-out position and it's almost, I don't know, it must be like a, a line in my memory path in my brain, traumatic one of knowing what that I've been in this position before and it's no good. Yeah. But, um, I'm, I'm also a little bit better around self-preservation. Um, I think I got concussed uh, a few times earlier in my career because I just go hard into things. And try and like dominate every collision, or just try and win every every moment I could. And now, because I've had to, I just have um, tried to pick moments a little bit better. You don't have to smoke everyone. I remember <laughs> it's a short line out against Aussie. David Pocock, ten meters back. I'm ten meters back. I knew he was getting the ball. I just sprinted as hard as I could and tried to smoke him. And he's just a the ball of muscle and I collected his hip and then I was cast. <laughs> <laughs> one of my coaches sat me down and goes, look at this collision. Do you really think you're going to, this is a good one to try and win? You just got to make the tackle here. You don't have to send them, try and send them backwards. And I was like, again, it was a moment where I was like, it makes a lot of sense here. I've got to start trying, trying to play a bit smarter. Mm. Mate, that's fascinating. <laughs> fascinating hearing the, the mind battle coming back from injury and yeah, I mean, you obviously throw your body and you have to throw your body into contact. You definitely have a reckless regard for your body when you watch your play. So um, to have that mindset is so important for you to be able to perform, I guess. Yeah, it's exactly like I've sort of thought that that's how I play. That's how I play well um, and it comes with that high risk. But um, and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to sort of make those decisions in game. Yeah. Um, and, but I have I have learnt to, yeah. Luckily, hopefully, can hopefully can take another three, four, five years onto my career. <laughs> no doubt. But we, I do oh. want to talk to you about your All Black career a little bit more. Any standout games from your career where you think, man, that was that was so cool? Um, any standout games? A couple of Rugby World Cups you've been involved in. Obviously yeah, that 2015 yeah. one was would have been pretty special to be a part of. Yeah, 2015 team, like, look through that squad, eh? that was just a, an incredible team to be a part of. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and I was lucky, I actually got to play um, quite a lot of minutes at that World Cup. Um, Richie had a few niggles in um, the warm-up games, so I ended up starting more games than or getting more game time than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I was realistic, like, always was I was behind the, the skipper then, so, like, any game time I could get was going to be awesome, and even right from the start of my All Black career, I got named in the Rugby Championship squad. After that Island one, Steve Hansen pulled me aside and he said, you probably won't play any games. <laughs> I was like, shit. <laughs> so he told me straight up. Um, and I was like, okay. So that completely changed my attitude. And I thought, well, I'm here in the All Blacks. This is a dream result for me. I've just got to try and be a better. I'm going to use it to be a better rugby player by the time I finished the week then when I started training with these guys working hard um, and if I get an opportunity I just got to try and take it mm. uh, and luckily I got one game off the bench that year um, and then one game at, in, on the India tour but I actually appreciated that he told me that rather than making my hopes up every single week <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when the team naming came I was like oh, I'm not going to be named and then when it finally did holy <laughs> but it, it taught me also um, it served me really well for this later part of my career when I um, do start regularly what 
young guys are going through and they sometimes forget that you've been there or they don't realise that you've actually been there too and you've had to go through those training weeks where you know you're not playing, you've got to help prepare the team, put the team first, mm. but still work hard at your own game to try and be better. Mm. Yeah. And even Sorry, in that 2015, yeah, even in that 2015 yeah. World Cup, you're behind um, the skipper, behind Richie. But when you got a start against Namibia, you were skipper too, weren't you? Yes, true. Yeah, that is that's right. Um, and that was just completely out of the blue. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, um, we, had, we had a short turnaround at the World Cup, where it was maybe like four days. So they pretty much changed um, the teams up. And yeah, Steve just said, "Oh." Want to be skipper for the game? I was actually walking down the road to get a haircut <laughs> on our day off. Steve was driving and he was in a cab. He jumped out, saw me, told me, jumped back in the cab and drove off. <laughs> um, so it caught me off guard massively. Um, and I was like, man, I wasn't even really like ready for it. I wasn't ready for it at all. I don't think I'd even captain the Chiefs at that stage. And as a result, I didn't actually play overly well mm. against Namibia. I was too worried about everyone else, which was, was just now that I think about that, it's stupid. Don't worry about <laughs> anyone else game day. Just yeah. worry about yourself. But um, still, awesome learning experience. Also, a massive pr- privilege, obviously. Um, and my family were over at that World Cup, so I got to take them out for a coffee and, and tell them in person, which was which was really cool. Mm, there's obviously legends throughout that squad. Was it intimidating at all to be named captain? <laughs> obviously, you're so young, you'd hardly started, you, like you'd mentioned. Yeah, massively. But... I remember um, we had our like, a clarity session. So they'd just come off a game and there was us who hadn't come off a game. I'd said that I was going to be skipper and just before we go away, I thought, man, I've got to say something here. Look, got in a huddle <laughs> and um, said, it was like a lot of us have helped prepare you guys. So I'm talking to the <laughs> likes of Richie and Dan and Rito and <laughs> Kim Lama and all these boys. A lot of us, you, we've helped you guys prepare for these first few games. Uh, just ask that you guys help us prepare the best we can to play and <laughs> almost telling them. <laughs> We're trying to ask in the nicest way. Yeah. <laughs> And I'd like rehearsed it in my brain on the way to, to right to the training numerous times on the bus. <laughs> oh. oh, I love that stuff. And then obviously um, you win that Rugby World Cup. What's that feeling like? Yeah, just just awesome. Um, can't really put it into words. Eh? I, I, it's sh- the shortest test cap of my career, actually, World Cup final. I got on for 30 seconds. Actually, I was just about – I'm pretty sure I was just about to go on. I'd been asked to warm up, which is a good sign being on the bench. If you get asked to warm up, what time must was this? I think it was about like 25 minutes to go. Oh. And that's when I had been going on previous yeah. games in the quarter in the semi. And then Bender got yellow carded. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, whoa, whoa, hold up. No, no, sit back down, sit back down. <laughs> And then during that time, I think the Aussies, I haven't listened to Bender's podcast yet. I can't remember exactly, but the Aussies scored a yeah. when Bender was off. Yeah. yeah. And they were actually looking quite good for a moment there. So we'll like, leave Sam on the bench. And then um, when after after Bodie got that runaway try, all right, you can go on now. And, um, I think I cleaned a ruck off the kickoff. <laughs> then we pretty much kicked it out. Yeah. Oh, the life oh. on the bench, eh? Oh. Yeah, life on the bench. Come on, Bender. 
who knows if he hadn't have got that card maybe i would have got a decent run but it was awesome it didn't it honestly didn't it didn't bother me because of the the occasion yeah how, how awesome it was um yeah I struggle to find the words to explain it it's just a special experience to be part of as a as a 23 year old no no it's with some good mates and just some some legends of the game yeah and then rolling on four years 2019 rugby world cup how did this one compare for you um, yeah, I was really excited about this one because um, since 2015, sort of, I established myself as the, the starting All Black Seven, mm. and so this World Cup, I was not really wanting to have a. I knew I was part of the squad and I played a good part, but I wanted to have like more of an impact on the, on the field and in the big moments when we help us lift another one. Mm. And um, look, the, the World Cup itself, like the experience in, in Japan, the but it, it was awesome. The people, um, so hot when we first got there. I couldn't believe how hot it was. <laughs> um, but but loved it all. We, our campaign was a little bit disrupted. I think we in our last pool game, there's the like, cyclone or twin that went through. Yeah, that's it was right. like a typhoon you know, or something that went through. Um, so our game against Italy got cancelled. And then we put on a performance against Ireland in the quarterfinal that was just like close to one of those perfect games. Mm. And to be fair, in 2015, we'd done the same against France. And then in 2015, we backed up against South Africa, but we didn't play overly well. Mm. But we we got through. It's just like the difference in performance. So we knew that we'd played really well against Ireland in 2019. We needed to back it up. And that, that performance probably wouldn't look anything like one against Ireland, mm. we just needed to get a job done. And um, look, that week was one of the probably one of the tougher weeks I've had as an All Black because I got told on on the Monday night from Steve that I wasn't going to be starting. It's going to be on the bench after I think I'd started every test I'd been available up until that point since 2015. So um, that was like it's tough to swallow um, because of the the magnitude of the game and. Mm where I felt I was in my career and it, it hurt but at the same time I, I respected the way he told me um, he rationalised his reasons um, around wanting to target their line out so having Scooter Barrett at six and he gave me a good reason about coming off the bench at the time and I, and I just had to accept it and agree and then again I just had to sort of pick myself up that gave myself that night to be a bit of a sip to myself and the next day I was like I'm still a leader in this team I've got to prepare the best I can and help the team and know that I can still have an impact coming off the bench but um, obviously that day we were just beaten by an inlet side that was that was on another level and they, they were too good for us that day and it, um, yeah, it still stings to be honest it sucks um, we didn't get it right and, um, I don't know we had it hurt that I was on the pine for it, and uh, we just didn't have the answers that day when they they were coming at us. Yeah. How long did you get on that one? Longer than thirty, from memory. Yeah, I think I came on at half time. To be honest. Oh, yeah. 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 So once you've once you're on that bench and you're watching that game, you're watching England absolutely dominating us physically. What are you thinking? I'm sick. I want to get on there, out there and just. Hit some people hard. <laughs> like I was, I was chomping at the bit to get out there, and 
probably in hindsight, I was like a little bit even over eager. I gave away a penalty for smacking one of the Vuli Polo boys slightly off the ball. I thought he was going to get the ball. Mm. I just went through the tackle, just like almost a little bit over aroused, you know, um, trying to make an impact, trying to make a statement. Um, also trying to impact the game, you know, like trying to lift us and and do something that could help change the momentum. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it didn't work out. Mate, it hurts. I can feel it. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, yeah, it does. Hopefully, um, hopefully we can sort it out next year. Mm. Yeah. And what sort of position do you think the All Blacks are in heading into obviously the 2023 World Cup? Yeah, look, like the last two years have been pretty disruptive and unique for an All Blacks team. Um, I think I said 2020, only six test matches. Um, last year, plenty of test matches, but all on the road. So, yeah, that, that, I think that as a, as a squad, like we're a pretty tight group because of what, what we've been through. Mm. And there's a lot of depth. It'll just be about now guys really staking their claim for that starting, that starting jersey and, and making it their own and sort of going to another level. Because mm. if I look at that 2015 World Cup squad, I will look back and it's one of the, the great squads that's been assembled, but there's numerous players who are best in the world in their position and really dominated their spots and were, were certain picks. And that's the, the challenge for a, a lot of us in this current team is we need to make some some strides and, and take our game as individuals to just another level so that we can, as a team, go one, go all the way next year. And World, Rug- World Rugby's in a good space at the moment. Eh? There's a lot of teams playing well. It's going to be – it is going to be some World Cup. There's no – real clear favourite on who's going to win this thing. Obviously, the bookies have France's favourite, um, All Black's second favourite, but um, there's a, probably a number of up to six or seven teams that could probably win this Rugby World Cup. I agree. But World Rugby is, is so strong. Like, long gone are those days where, remember the All Blacks would send a team on India tour and, and change their team week to like the whole 15 almost? Yeah. Like, man, it's a, World Rugby's in a, a great spot and the the difference in the styles that different teams are playing as well and the different challenges mm. they present. We haven't seen in Super Rugby, you know, we've gone from the Kiwis playing each other to them playing the Aussies and yeah. just the slightly different style of rugby that they play and how you have to adjust and how it affects your own game. So, yeah, exciting times. Mate, looking forward to it. And post-World Cup, what's the sort of plans for you? Have you got um, he contracted just up to the Rugby World Cup? Any sabbaticals? What's what's the plan for Sam Kane? Uh, I'm contracted until 2025. Oh, geez. So, yeah, so I've only just turned 30 at the start of this year. Mm. So I feel like i uh, still got plenty of rugby at me. And, yeah, I've had those little hookups the last couple of years, but almost that might, uh, as one of the physios said, mate, that might, that might tap you on another year yeah. at the back end. <laughs> yeah, just having a little war and a fitness, a little breather mid-career. So, um, yeah, I'm contracted for 2025. I do have the option um, post World Cup of doing one of those little Japan stints, like some of the boys have done. Mm. Um, so we'll look into that. But it's, um, it's been sort of a long time doing similar routines and similar yeah. stuff here in New Zealand. But at the same time, I, I, I'm really grateful and love what I'm doing mm. and um, love being around friends and family. But everyone who's been to Japan, we're even talking to Bodhi. Bodie Barrett and, and Guzzler, 
operator will tell it, you know, just the, the little refresh, even for six months of doing something completely different in a different environment where um, it can be refreshing. So we'll see. There's no guarantees that you can even pick one up. You know, it's not like they're just handing them out. But oh, mate, we'll they'll be coming crawling for you <laughs> with huge amounts of yen, no doubt. All black skipper, oh, high priority. Oh, yeah, and, and that would be nice too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, but go just for the just for the experience, eh? Hey? Yeah. <laughs> and post footy, what's the plans for you, Deer Farm? Um, not hundred percent sure. Uh, I, I would like really um, love to have a bit of land, maybe not not massive, but maybe a hundred acres or something. Partly because I, I love my childhood on the farm so much too, and, and my wife, she's off a dairy farm. She she's it's the same. We thought it'd be quite cool for our kids to experience some of those same things. Uh, we're not not set on that though, but got a bit of an idea at the moment. We'd like to own some land, um, but also still be involved in rugby in some capacity. Not on like a not super rugby coaching or anything like that because I would want a change of schedule, change of structure. But uh, maybe maybe more like under twenties or under nineteens or age group stuff. Yeah, um, we can just sort of pass on a bit of knowledge and find it. I always find it quite exciting, like seeing or hearing about who young guys are coming through and mm-hmm. uh, and how they develop. So yeah, maybe an ideal world would be a bit of both, a bit of rugby and maybe a bit of farming or something else. Yeah, how good is that? Oh, well, exciting times ahead. But um, as always, we've gone to our Instagram for some questions and All Black Skipper has come in with thousands and thousands of questions. I've had to filter them out. Um, obviously, a lot were around um, how you deal with the pressure, around publicity and all that side of things. But um, we did have quite a few good ones come through. First one was, um, how hard was it early in your career being labelled the next Richie McCaw? How hard was it? I don't know if I really like took, took it on me the, to be the next Richie McCaw. Yeah. I think I was, it was always put to me, particularly by Steve Hansen, like whenever I played, just go out and play as Sam Kane, be yourself. Mm. Um, but I consider myself like, so fortunate to have those pretty much four full seasons with Richie, like playing and, and training with him in the All Blacks environment. Mm. But for me, today, but 20, he'd already been in the All Blacks for 10 years by that stage. So like I was a 10-year-old when I started sort of <laughs> watching him and, and idolising his play. So just what a well, – I consider myself really lucky to, to have learnt off him, but at no point did I ever um, try to try and be the next Richie McCaw. Mm. Um, and look, to be fair, I don't know if there will, ever will be another Richie McCaw after what we've seen, what he's achieved. Um, but, yeah, didn't, didn't really – take it on myself to be him yeah you see these labels being chucked out all the time eh? as soon as yeah. these young <laughs> yeah. kids come through they're labeled the next someone so yeah. how many Jonas? how many next Jonas is there <laughs> any big fast got winger is a Jonah, <laughs> the next Jonah, eh? yeah you're right that's oh, good that it didn't affect you but the next one which chief's front rower can sink the most Waikato drafts <laughs> and I know it won't be old oven mitts Angus Tarvel <laughs> he would rate himself though, eh? <laughs> I don't know I don't know a player who rates himself so highly um, I'll, I'd say Big Ben eh probably Big Ben oh, coming yeah. Yeah. yeah he could put them away <laughs> yeah. yeah he could bend with, he can bend with the best of them eh? I remember um, after after one of the, those titles we won he Turned up to the parade on Monday, and he was still wearing his number ones from Saturday. <laughs> <He's>, 
but man, yeah, he, he's a good man and he, he can put them away. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Okay, next one. Oh, from our sponsor, Swish. I know you're on Swish too. You're one of the great guys on Swish. Um, so if you are listening and you want to Swish from the All Black Captain Sam Kane, get amongst that. But if Sam Kane could get a video shout out from any celebrity, who would it be and why? Uh, wow, that's a great question. Oh, probably the first one that came to my head was uh, Roger Federer. Oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Just um, not that I'm great at tennis, but I've just always admired him and the way he goes about his work. I think my old man was a big fan of, and he loves his tennis, Roger Federer, mm. growing up. So, like, we'd often, often watch him. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Mate, he is, he is a legend. He would. He'd yeah. go get on the podcast, I reckon. But do you get many switches? Yeah. That- <laughs> get him on. Get him on. <laughs> what do you reckon? <laughs> <Can> you sh- <laughs> You've got contacts with everyone. I'll send him I'll send him an Instagram message, eh? <laughs> straight, straight to message requests. <laughs> oh. um, do I get many switch requests? Mm. Um, I don't know. One every couple of weeks, maybe. Oh, geez, yeah. like that. They'll be flying enough. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, next one. Who is the toughest opponent? Oh, this is going to be tough. Uh, I always find these questions quite tough, eh? Yeah. Like your toughest opponent because it's such like a, a team sport, you know, you're always facing the team and it depends on how the teams go mm-hmm. that day. I do remember my first start for the Chiefs. I vividly remember standing in the back line off a short line out. We were on defence and looking across and Brad Thorne was standing directly opposite me yeah. about to carry the ball. And I was shit, this guy is huge. Like, he just looks so hard. Like, everything on him looked. It was like like one of the moments in game where you're like, man, I'm just a boy out here with men. Yeah. Um, I felt like that every week. But then. <laughs> I, I, and uh, the. I, I like admired George Smith growing up too. Yeah. And then when he came back to Super Rugby got the opportunity to play against him a couple of times. So that was that was pretty cool. Mm. And, um, yeah, found him a pretty tough competitor. Yeah, no, nah, he was a legend too, eh? Okay, next one. What is your mindset before going into contact? Is it absolute fury or is it more technique? <laughs> um, okay, in a moment before going into contact, I think that you don't really like have a mindset as much. Um, it's just – about like sort of trusting all the work you've done against things and you're just reactive you know rugby is such a reactive sport just um, going off instincts and all the work goes in early but I think you can go into games with your mindset and like your intent in the right spot compared to other games Mm. Um, and that's the the mental battle and the mental challenge of getting yourself in a state to go with the right intent um, to to um, you know, do some damage or, or dominate collisions. Um, but then at the same time, like your technique has to be right because particularly these days we see how um, how red cards can impact games and the international season, the red cards won't be 20 minutes um, because World Rugby couldn't agree mm. on, uh, or the Northern Hemisphere couldn't agree on the red card for the 20 minutes or the full rest of the game off. So um, the consequences are huge. It's important about having good intent Particularly for Fords, you know, our game's dominating collisions at the end of the day, majority of it. Um, so you got to go in with intent and aggression, but no, there's not much room for error with the technique. Mm. How do you make sure your mindset's always right for that? Um, 
if, like you got to slowly sort of work yourself up throughout the week a little bit. And then I think as I, I used to take the game so seriously that it would be like all-consuming, like leading up, like game day would be terrible company and mm-hmm. couldn't have a laugh and so strict on, I think it's for like for a lot of guys, eh? but as you get older, you um, realise um, it's about the work that goes in during the week, not about sort of whether you have a coffee at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. Or... <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Everyone's, everyone's different, you know, like you'll see guys in the sheds who can have a, a laugh before kickoff um, in the warm-up and then go out there and, and turn it on. Other guys have to be really serious. So it's about what works for you. And I'm probably sort of halfway house. We feel like I, I can switch off a little bit, but I also sort of have a bit of an attention that slowly builds. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I like it. Okay, next one. This this might be a little bit similar to toughest, but hardest player to tackle. Who do you least want to be one-on-one with? No one. Hardest <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, I reckon, are like the, the short, stocky, powerful guys, but oh, like yeah. they have footwork as well, you know, like a like a Nani Amar because he can like run over you, but he could also beat you with footwork yeah. or um, got guys, guys like that. Um, I'm trying to think of another one who's like that. Um, I used to do back in the day when sevens used to go off the tail of the line out. I'd often overchase the winger or the or the first five, and that step back against me. Yeah. So I was like, right, I've got to get better at this. So I'll work on it with um, who I think's like got the best footwork, a silly Tikaratuma. Yeah. And so I'll come from an angle and he can put footwork on me. And once I get to the stage that I can tackle him, you know, I'll be able to tackle him. Like, and it just, he just ran circles around me time and time. <laughs> like, he would, he would, if he'd stop, I think he was going to step back, then he'd goosey and take off again and I'd be left there. Or if I thought he was going to goosey, he'd just whack me back on the inside. And it got to the point after like three trainings of doing this, I was like, my confidence is shot. I've got to go <laughs> get one of the props in here. <laughs> get Guzzler. Yeah, get Guzzler in there. So oh, that, that, that three-week period of trying to get better at that um, with with to Tuma, he, with Ticks, he, um, he was incredibly hard. Oh, mate, yeah. he, did have, he did have a very good goose step, mate. He was a yeah. tough man to pick up. Okay, next one. Can you please get Sam's thoughts on Dalton? Oh, Dalton is uh, he's outstanding. Yeah, um, we roomed together a couple of years ago. I've just always admired Dalton as, as a person too. Like he's such a good man. He'd be one of the first bites to come up to you after the game. But like, man, I thought you played really well. Or like, awesome game. Um, and then whenever we've played each other, he's just such a, a tough competitor. You know, um, he's a big physical man, and it's been been awesome to see him like step into the leadership role of the Blues and do so well. Um, he ran out like out the loose forwards within the All Blacks last year, like the little loose forwards units, oh, yeah. and um, really really enjoyed him running that as sense of humour and but also his his intensity. So um, yeah, look like I got no doubt. I don't take my position in the team for for granted, and, and just because I've been named skipper for this three match series doesn't guarantee um, anything so I know that he's he's um, putting his hand up big time to be starting for the All Blacks and we obviously play the same position um, so yeah I've just got to worry about my my game 
can't sort of look back and, and see who's chasing and, and just make sure I play as well as I can. Mm. Yeah. He's more of a six though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and Artie's an eight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 100%. Okay, okay last question. <laughs> Best piece of advice for a Waterlad listener? Oh, all black skippers don't come on often, so I'm looking forward to this one. Um, worst part is whenever I listen to the Waterlad potties, I, I listen to their advice and I think if I'm ever on, I need to have some great wisdom. <laughs> so he's come prepared. Oh, come but prepared. I haven't come prepared. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. Um, like uh, I've always like thought it's important to be, for lack of a word, a better word, coachable. Mm. So you know, someone, and it doesn't just apply to to rugby, but someone you, like you want to be a person, or I admire people who are always open to receiving feedback and want to get better. And put it the other way, you see people who, or yeah come across people who you may suggest feedback to or you see them get it and they almost take it personally or as criticism. Yeah. But I've learned the almost the further up you go, the, the rugby ranks too and the better the rugby players are, the more open and the more they're seeking feedback. Um, and it's not just with rugby, no matter what it is, and they're always trying to be better at everything they do, better people, better partners, better fathers. Like They just want to be better than they are and to do that it involves often seeking feedback and taking advice on board whether you agree with it or not um, that's up to you but just be someone who I think it's important to be someone who takes advice um, takes feedback on board and, and tries to be better every day Oh, mate, one of the greats. <laughs> I knew it I knew the All Black skit would deliver there was a bit of pressure on that advice but my word did you deliver that was definitely planned <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was planned. <laughs> no, I always say that one. <laughs> oh, I know, but mate, it's been absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been awesome going through your journey, hearing how you've uh, got to the top to where you are now. And mate, what I'm really excited for is um, these next few years seeing you injury free. Oh, I know you always have been, just a couple of injuries. <laughs> That's been blown out. That's been way blown out. But <laughs> That's it. That's then, it. Start that narrative. And then taking the um, All Blacks to the Rugby World Cup and hopefully lifting that trophy over there in France. It's going to be um, an awesome journey and really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I uh, appreciate it, Jimmy. I've really enjoyed being on. And like I said, I've been a long time listener and enjoyed listening to the yarns with some of the boys um, over the last couple of years. So good work, mate. And thanks for the catch up. Mate, you're one of the greats. Appreciate it. Cheers.